1: Great form by you hitting play on this podcast. Now, check out Same Racer, the brand new racing app for same race multi tips. Same Racer. Download from the App Store and Google Play, powered by Bluebet.
2: Gamble responsibly. Call 1 800 858 858.
1: It's time to cast off on a new adventure. This is Real Adventures with Patrick Dangerfield and Aaron Hadgood. Good morning and welcome to Real Adventures from wherever you are listening right around the country. Patrick Dangerfield and Aaron Habgood joining you this morning to talk all things fishing, boating and the great outdoors. Good morning to you, Redmond.
0: Good morning, Patrick. Fantastic to be here as per usual. Redmond, I've I've had a great week this week. (laughs) It started off.
1: (laughs) Straight off the block then? Straight off the bat. Well, have you ever just decided, and I did ask my wife before I did it, have you ever just decided to go to the cinemas by yourself? No. Because I'd had a, I'd had a big no. Monday and I'm like, we've had a team review. Cats have had a good win, terrific, et cetera, et cetera. And I just needed some, some time to myself. So I messaged my wife. I said, I'm going to be home a little later, a few things on. I booked myself into uh, Top Gun. I get my Pepsi Max some Maltesers and a medium-sized popcorn. Didn't go the large popcorn because uh, of Kane's feedback last week, the great cane corn. So went the, went the medium poppy and uh, and proceeded to have probably the best two hours and 17 minutes possibly imaginable. Cinema by yourself, the new Top Gun flick, which is electrifying, and it was just brilliant. Have you ever just gone to the cinemas by yourself? So you're that guy. <laughs> No, actually, no. I thought you would think midday sort of cinema experience there'd be no, no one else there. Oh, she was packed, mate. I
0: was packed. packed
1: with with thirty year old to sort of sixty year olds.
0: Taters for everyone. <laughs> Top gun. It was,
1: it was unbelievable, and think, it was just sort of one of those treats.
0: I think anyone in the generation of, I guess, I guess anyone roughly around your age, my age, our generation got forced to watch Top Gun as a kid. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think there was well, people that didn't.
1: You don't need to be forced to see this, the the uh, the sequel, Redmond, because I think it's the greatest sequel that 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 cinema's ever experienced. No Godfather Part Two, <laughs> you know, Jaw nah, probably Jaws two is probably in the top five. But it was a cinema experience like few others, phenomenal. And just a little bit of, um, you know, sometimes you just find yourself taking an extra hour to get home. You wander the sort of aisles at Bunnings, but I took it one step further and decided to go to the cinemas by myself.
0: What How's is all week? I don't, I don't even know where to go from this. I'm not sure whether to go into the drone fishing in Hawaii, my week in fishing, or into the PFA. You, where would you like to go, Patrick? Because you've literally thrown me off course here with a bit of Top Gun of the movies after the Cats win. Uh, Are you saying that you've never you've never done anything
1: like that? I'd be interested, Patrick, be honest, for those listening, that have you ever just decided I need some time to myself and said to the, the better half that I'm going to be a, a few hours later this afternoon and whether you're wandering the aisles at Bunny you've decided to drop in a of 10 you've gone down a tackle world anaconda or you may have even booked yourself into the cinemas enjoyed some poppy a little bit of maltesers and a pepsi
0: max i actually can't do anything by myself i am i am i'm the complete I have literally you are have, actually that's true do stuff with, i always have to have people over dinner i have to go somewhere i always have to if i go to the shops hey Kane, you want to come with me or you do? have like
1: a separation anxiety that's true yeah.
0: I, I'm very inclusive. That's what, <laughs> I don't know. I've never done anything by myself. And I go to the cinemas and I get in trouble for talking to me mate next to me.
1: Yeah, you don't really have the attention span to be.
0: No, I've got attention span is like an ant. So I don't even know if ants have very big attention spans, but it typically can't be that big. Anyway, something that you're right right into is drone fishing. Well, you used to be into it. Yes. You, haven't done, you haven't done it for a long time because. I don't know why, you just haven't done it for a long time, but you did go through a phase of doing this, and it has taken off in Australia. I know Western Australia, this is massive drone fishing. We've got massive snapper. They catch off WA. You head down a 90-mile beach, you've got big sharks. They're dropping baits out with with these drones. They're carrying big shark baits, wire traces, so you don't have to get in your kayak anymore or your canoe and paddle out your, paddle out your baits and whatnot. But something that you and I found on social media during the week, that in Hawaii – they're actually looking at ban- the uh, banning drone fishing in general, so completely banning it. But yeah, also' this
1: fascinating.
0: Also, in America or United States, I should say, drone fishing is completely illegal. You are not allowed to drone fish in United States at all. What are your thoughts on this?
1: Well, because it's something that's not hugely prevalent here. I mean, we've done this when we've when we've been out tuna fishing. All of a sudden, you put up a drone. We have, we've only done it a few times, but. How quickly you can cover a huge area of water, and because you're viewing it from above, you can quickly locate the schools. And it's a little tough for you and I, and those sort of in, you know, South Australian, Victorian waters, and, and certainly the West, where you've got you know decent winds. And we know we have winds all around the all around the country, but particularly through, through the winter periods, we'll get some some pretty um, horrendous wind. That does. That does change things because it, it is a little bit harder to launch. It's harder to retrieve, particularly if you've got rocket launchers set up. So, we don't see a huge amount of it in Australia, but it is if you've got the time and you've got, you know, put the effort into actually learning how to control them, it's a game changer in terms of locating the fish schools.
0: Well, it is a game changer, but the, the argument here is that it's going to affect targeted uh, endangered species because people can target certain species. Like, for example, I'm using the Hawaii example that we've read in the article. You've got the limu fish and you've got the opia, which is they're two opi, or however you want to pronounce it, opia. Some people say opi. They're two. They're the same fish, but people, they're, they're not a fish that you can find as such with a boat you need to be up high to see how to see these fish now yeah yeah. that's all good but the drone but the the other argument and i actually read the comments below the in below the article in itself and it stated that why would you ban something that has very limited people doing for a start there's not it's not a large amount of people doing not only that it's not like you and i are going to go out and catch one of these fish now i'm just as just just to put an example out there it's not like you and I are going to put an example out there that all of a sudden people can just go buy thousands and thousands of dollars worth of drones because they are pricey. They are pricey, let's be honest. The good ones that you need to drop these big baits and whatnot, they're pricey. You, your
1: mechanisms, yeah,
0: that you, that, that, you, you have, have to add to it. Exactly. And then not only that, you need to have the skill to be able to drive the bloody thing and then be able to actually find the fish on the day. It's not I, – I don't think it should be banned in the slightest. I think it's a – I think the odd person's doing it. I think it's cool that people are doing it. And if we see some cool fish being caught, then it's part of, I guess, fishing. Uh, I, I don't see why it should be banned.
1: No, I completely agree. Hey, VFA have stocked another 1,000 brown trout into Lake Eildon now. We spoke last week on the show with school holidays coming up. Make sure you check from state to state where your local fisheries authority are starting um, and have been stocking at different um you know, freshwater venues because it's a great way to really get a bit of a head start in terms of getting your kids into fishing.
0: Did you know last year Lake Eildon was stocked with more than one million fish? uh, I do now, Raymond. What do you do now? And Well, guess what? There's plans to release another 150,000 browns, another 50,000 rainbows, and another 500,000 cod and 400,000 yellows. So as I'm going to quote it, that's a lot of fish in just two years. That's (laughs) what they've said. So I guess-
1: And it it, it is, it's quite amazing. I actually stocked a friend's um, few dams three years ago and they were probably three inches long when we purchased them. These were uh, rainbow trout and within- three years they're all six pound plus it is incredible how fast these fish grow in the right ecosystem and quite clearly these places where they're released um they're they are really good ecosystems for for fish and, and the growth rates are going to be really high so with this continual stocking it, it just you know it's a it's a brilliant thing for wreck anglers and particularly those if you if you're looking to get into fishing they're really accessible um, and they're, they're very much catchable so uh, it's a great thing redmond
0: Uh, While we're on the freshwater side of things, Pat, just to throw it out there quickly, Murray Cray season opens on the 1st of June. So please check your rules, regulations. They've got certain size limits. If they've got babies and whatnot, jump onto the Vic Fish app and make sure you do check exactly where you're fishing because in certain areas you can do certain things. So make sure you do check exactly the equipment you need also for when you're targeting these fish. Uh, because they are, well, when I say fish, crustaceans, I should say, because they're a beautiful eating species and they're really fun to catch, especially with the kids and whatnot, and watch out for their uh, their claws because they are ruthless.
1: The big nippers. Uh, the Sydney Boat Show, the Sydney International Boat Show, tickets are on sale now. This is the first time since 2019, Redmond. Uh, it's 25 bucks a ticket, which is three dollar price increase but first time in threes you'd imagine it's going to be pretty popular
0: i reckon you're onto something in a way but i reckon i'm going to you don't more- think it's
1: going to be popular
0: are people still scared of covid are people is there going to be enough stock there i don't know i i, I hope it's popular because i'd love to go to it i'm not worried about the COVID side of things I, i'm trying to get past it and live our life as we should uh but is it there's a fair bit of outdoors there but it's a lot of indoors too and also the stocking levels of we're still in I like I'm trying to organize another engine for my boat at the moment through Mercury and I'm struggling. Well, so we heard, had um, stock's going to play a role in this pat.
1: We had uh, Scott Fury on last week talking about his mm-hmm. new 660 Fury Smuggler and the biggest challenge that they're facing at the moment is engines and one of yeah, the reasons so this is yeah. Because he's got obviously he's got the 28s which are a beautiful boat um, but run you know high horsepower yeah, yeah. and twins. The beauty of the, his uh, 660 you run a 250 on a six and a half meter boat and it still hits 47 knots. so it's almost been luck for Scott in, in many ways that all right perfect I've, I've gone with this boat it actually needs less horsepower and in an economy where it's bloody difficult to get motors that makes a big difference.
0: And being Australia, the massive country we are, we are the minority of the world. (laughs) We are last to get anything. And that's –
1: you're spot on. Like that's one of our biggest challenges that just globally, we're just not as important as other other marketplaces.
0: I I really hope this boat show kicks off because it's going to – I think it'll – I think this Sydney one will set the platform for the Melbourne boat show, which they're planning to have roughly in October from what I know, Uh, which I I really hope these do take off because – as a kid, it was literally like, Dad, come on, let's go to the fish and boat show. Boat show, fishing show, like, come on. I really want to go. It's a great family thing. You can go look at boats. It's can- awesome. Exactly. And I just, I, 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 I don't know, I'm a bit funny, like, with what goes on, what's going to happen with it. But I really hope that it's a blinder and we can report um, that I was wrong and it does take off
1: uh your week in fishing let's get to it it's well, Antarctica. Been,
0: uh, it's Antarctica frosty <laughs> <laughs> oh, <laughs> we are actually catching polypans, penguins and ice fish so it's uh it's been a shocking week uh, pat it i headed down to port Mac on the end. well it
1: hasn't been a shocking week it's just been a very very cold <laughs> week
0: <laughs> it has been cold it's just like it's oh i did a bit of night fishing i sent you a photo well not night fishing late evening fishing into the dark and Oh, my God. It was so – it was no wind, but I, it was so bloody cold. Like I have not worn a jacket for that long. I wish I had thermals on. I wore a couple of jumpers and my jacket. I, was, I just couldn't even touch bait or whatnot. But I head down to Port Mac. I got a couple of gummies that night, which was good. Uh, Headed down to Port Mark to chase those barrel bluefin tuna and they went really well. They're going absolutely ballistic and we'll talk more about them in the report a bit later on. Getting
1: some incredible reports on, you know, 130s plus and and multiple hookups. Like, it's quite astonishing. If you've got the time, energy and effort to travel down, depending on where you are uh, around the country, it's the best it's the fishing mecca at the moment.
0: Well, this time last year, it was uh, Apollo Bay Pat. Remember, I was traveling out yep. 70, 80, 90 kilometers. That's where the, the majority of the fish chose to hold. This year, it's looking like it's going to stay at Port Mac. These fish are not moving, and they're not going to move in a hurry with the amount of red bait that he's holding there. You've got yakas as well. So the fish aren't yep. going to move. If you head down to Lake's entrance and Malakuda Way of East Victoria, uh, the sword fishing out there is out of control. We've got Lockie Nichols on the show today to talk a little bit about Tassie sword fishing and whatnot coming up. But the sword fishing out of there has been sensational as bycatch, big barrel bluefin out of there also. Uh, Western Port's been fishing really well for whiting. They've been on fire over there. Port Phillip's been really, really good too. So there's plenty, plenty happening right around the state of Victoria at the moment, and that's before we get into our whip around after the break of the whole country Pat.
1: Looking forward to that Redmond and as you said we're catching up with Locking Nichols who runs a, a brilliant charter business out of Tassie and around Eagle Hawk, Nekie Fishes and some of his captures over the last couple of months have been quite simply spectacular. All that and more coming your way this morning on Real Adventures. You're listening to Real Adventures with Patrick Dangerfield and Aaron Hadgood. Welcome back to Real Adventures. It's time to find out what's biting in your part of the country. Redmond, let's head to New South Wales.
0: Those yellow fin are getting a bit thicker and thicker, Patrick. We're starting to see them really turn up now, which is good to see. Lures and obviously the stick bait methods uh, right up to sort of Sydney way to Wollongong area. So they've been showing up through there too from Burmese. So uh, good to see. A few marlins still caught out of Burmese during the week, which is a bit odd, but not odd. Just if the water's right, then they're going to be there. So Simple game in that in that method of fishing because the bait's there, the current's there. You'll always hold those predators, and the marlin are obviously one of those. And if there's going to be one stripe, traditionally there's going to be a couple more. So don't be f- afraid to uh, check out any bait balls that you see if you are off the east coast, New South Wales, and throw a live in because there's a good chance of a marlin. The Taylor and Benito have been landed right through the city Harbour this week, uh, metal lures and soft plastics. And your favourite, part, Botany Bay has produced some seriously good EPs right up the top of that waterway there. And I know how much you love catching an EP or two. I actually caught a couple of EPs during the week. I had a little report Righto. from my
1: cousin that, um, yeah, you, I did. Where yeah, did
0: you think you went
1: to? Well, there's a local coffee shop down in Aries and Lenton. a little corner down there. I don't want to give too much away, but um, oh. just just casting a few lures in there. It was just beautiful.
0: I so don't to give down too much away. Hour. You are a prick. No.
1: I'm, well, I know we're we're about giving in this show, but um, you know I'm not going to go into any, any more detail now. But um,
0: South
1: <laughs> yeah, Australia, let's talk about Victor Harbor, Redmond.
0: Yeah, east uh, east of Victor Harbor, there's a massive patch of school tuna right now that's willing to take basically any skirted lure that you throw out from that six inch, three inch, four inch. You're not having to work too hard, uh, which is making things easy to get a feed of fish, which is always great. But not only that, the catch and release side of it's really fun. You can run your single hooks. Take the trebles off if you're running divers, and you've got to release these fish, and they're right up to 20 kilos, so really good fish. Now, Port Mac, Pat, we mentioned it off the top of the show, but Port Mac is, without a doubt, the barrel capital right now. It is on fire. It cannot get any better. Lures, baits, bait balls, all sorts of methods are working, but if you head down there and you do, say, two, three days fishing, which I recommend, I don't recommend it, ever doing one, two to three, I I usually aim to do two, one one the day before, which is my research day, and hopefully get one or two fish. And then the next day is sort of the day you go out in the morning, you're ready to go, bang, you get a fish, and then I sort of go home. So that's how I plan my day. But I highly recommend fishing three days. Uh, it, It is literally on fire. People are getting two to three to four to five bites a day. And I'm not talking like bites as in you get a bite. I'm talking fighting a fish, you might land three. Bodie landed four out of five fish during the week, and you got you're fighting these fish for somewhat up to two hours at a time. So it, it, it's very, very good fishing. And make sure you work these bait balls correctly. Get your lot. Try and catch a live bait if possible. Get your red bait and scoop them up. Catch a yakker or two off the bottom if you sound them up. And please try and get your baits into the middle of the bait ball. Throw it in. Let it sink down, and then you should hook up to a real big fish.
1: So let's talk about how you approach those. Uh, bait balls. You're not yeah. driving smack bang through
0: through the middle well, of them, you? If you? If, if you're on the lures, you want to sort of work around them and drag the lures sort of on the edges of them. That's how I attack each each and every bait ball. But if you are dropping baits in, the bait ball will literally sit under the boat. Some days off Port Mac, I have, I've had three to 15 boats sitting on a bait ball, and the bait ball just doesn't move. And you're just marking up barrels, drop your bait in, and you could be the lucky person that hooks up. So it's about utilising... I guess, whatever happens on the day. So if the bait ball's holding up and trying to protect itself under the boat, that's ideal because you can then scoop up bait also. And what I mean by scoop, you can get a net, scoop up red bait, chuck in your live bait tank, and then you can drop baits in of exactly what they're feeding on. That is the best method to get yourself these big fish. Now, the problem is when you do hook up, you're going to have boats around you off a bait ball. So you try and drive and sit on top of the fish. Originally, try and sit on top, just try and stick to it so that people know where the fish are. Uh, you can try and drive out of it, which is all good, but then no one else can see you are lined. I like to try and sit on top of the fish as much as possible. Uh, fishing inland in South... Uh, sorry, fishing inland the urban lake in South Australia. There's been plenty of carp on offer, Pat. Now, I say that, and I'm not joking. Carp are really fun to catch. They... Fight hard, they pull hard, but not only that, you can do a bit of environmental work and you can uh, take them out of that waterway if you Dispatch wish to. Them. As a kid, I never used to, don't say that because I wanted to go back and catch them again. But it was, it was always, they're always good fun to catch. Chuck your corn on your hook. Now, I always find the more unweighted you go, the more carp you catch. So, don't go out throwing a three, four ounce sinker. Try and get like a tiny little snap. snap oh, what do you call them? The uh, ones you're breaking, the ones you crunch in half, Pat. What are they? Snap swivels. Uh, snap sinkers. The ones that you crunch in half. These little tiny ball ones. And just put them on. And then that way, there you're going to sink your corn or your bit of bread down. And that's the best way to get yourself some carp. Heading to Queensland, Pat. Fishing Sorry. off the rocks
1: at Tweed, there's been some huge dewfish that have been landed on big hard body lures, Redden, which. It's not unusual, but it's it's great to see yeah. that it's not always massive baits that you need to to use and you just sit there for a couple of hours at a time. It's always the most exciting form of fishing when you're casting really big bodied lures and there's something sitting under it and lurking under it that's gonna go whack.
0: Yeah, I was in shock when I seen the photo. It was he caught two the guy that I seen caught two fish and they would have had to have been I don't know, maybe like 35 pound each, like 15 kilo. They were massive fish and they were both caught on like a stick bait. I couldn't work out what stick bait it was, but it bloody weird. Like I, I've never, I've heard of hard bodies in sort of, uh, I guess, in like Glenelg River in Victoria where they use, you know, those little hard dive body divers, Pat, they get them on them. Yum. Things were proper big stick bait. Anyway, it worked and he caught them. Uh, Groper Creek again on fire, Pat, with great barramundi coming out of there also but like great size but also really good numbers too so that's always a good option as well heading over to wa yeah perth
1: Fishman has landed a fish of a lifetime landing a bass groper which was 52 kilos off rottenest island took him 40 minutes to reel in that's a big fish redmond
0: it was and it's literally gone on every new site that possible right around the country <laughs> yeah. so
1: it was uh, leading the new cycle in uh, in Western Australia, so it just shows you how well fishing <laughs> is embraced in the West.
0: It's that's off, You see him caught out of New Zealand on all the charter boats out there. That is a massive fish, 52 kilo of literally, I'm going to say, of slob. Like it's a big ball <laughs> yeah. of nothing. So that, that's 40 minutes to wind in, and they reckon they taste absolutely unreal, so I'm tipping that's not going to waste. Uh, heading to Tassie. The fishing out of – I'm not going to go into a full report of Tassie of the game fishing side of things. I want to have this discussion with Lockie soon, Pat, and I'll let him explain what's going on and how he sees it happen. But we're just going to talk about low head at the moment, the school tuna. Divers are working the best out of there. And the Derwent back inland is fishing really well with brim, with soft plastics and little hard bodies. Doing their best work uh, on the brim side of things.
1: We spoke about, uh, we've spoken about everywhere except Victoria, Redmond, the Murray River, and this is straight from uh, our good mate, Jim Credlin from JC's Bait and Tackle. But Pat Conlon fished at uh, Murraydale last weekend, landing an 80 centimetre and 110 centimetre cod on black and purple lures, uh, one of the orgies, Redmond, which are very, very popular up there. Yes,
0: um, it is.
1: Jordan Kerr landed a 98 centimetre at the top end of the floodway on a 75 mil uh, Kudafara mud honey lure.
0: Your voice is nowhere. We're going to have to get JC on. I like JC when he does this report. <laughs>
1: and the, the Wakul River, uh, there's been some reports of decent size. Uh, yellows getting caught at a, uh, is it Kyolite?
0: Yeah, Kyolite, I reckon you're spot on, yep.
1: Uh, and the river's pretty clear at the moment, which is good uh, for lure-based fishing at the moment. Uh, but once again, some really nice captures all around that sort of meter mark, Redmond, which is, of course, that sort of your, your golden capture.
0: Yeah, and this week's photos, he's posted some photos up of those fish there. They are big fish, like 110 centimetres of cod is a really big fish, and we are in those winter months, and it's only going to get better to see. And if you are chasing those Murray cod, do not forget those Murray freshwater craze that we spoke about at the start of the show too, because they are ripping fish to eat.
1: Beautiful work, Redmond. Let's get to the social club. We take your questions from social media. We'd love when you engage uh, with Aaron and I send us in questions, whatever it might be, whether it's fishing, boating, uh, or outdoor related. The first one is from Ruben. Hi guys. Love the show. I'm looking at getting into a 13 to 14 foot tinny for myself and my two sons. Uh, I don't have a big budget and I'm wondering, uh, if you would buy a two stroke, if funds depended on you getting a boat or not. Uh,
0: hundred percent. Yes. On a smaller tinny, hundred percent. Yes. Uh, if you get a little saltwater series or something like that. It just doesn't are, matter on a small boat, like I don't think it does, no. Uh, reliability, I guess, does come into a factor, but uh, it it does I don't know. i I reckon you'll be all right. I reckon you'll be no worries whatsoever if it caters for the budget. Well,
1: I've got a thirty horsepower two stroke on my thirteen foot uh punt. pun. It's a cracker.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Works
1: brilliant. And as long as you keep as long as you keep it running, it's Servicing. absolutely fine. Yeah.
0: yeah. Servicing as well.
1: All right, Danny. Uh, when designing side pockets for your boats, boys, what factors did you take into account? I'd like to store my rods in mine, uh, but I'm not sure whether they will get too banged up. Cheers, Danny.
0: Yeah, it's a good question. It's something so you to, and I having the conversation with at the moment for your boat, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Like, and majority of the time, so.
1: On my 750, and I know you've got this on yours, Redmond, we've got them designed so the rod holders are literally screwed to the side gunnels and you can sit your, whether it's your Tiagra 50 wides or whatever it might be, they sit upright. So they're not sitting in the actual side pocket itself.
0: So you're talking about the combing racks on the inside of the Sorry, the combing
1: racks, exactly Exactly. right, yeah, versus, um, you know, at different stages, and I've got these in my boat. I don't have it on, on one side because there's the side door. door.
0: I've um, got it on both sides of mine.
1: Yeah, that you can have um, them stacked horizontally. But they, they do bang a bit. That is one of the considerations to to take into account. I mean, does it bang any less than sitting at the front of the boat? Well, you know, the bow's going to bang more than the stern, but the beauty, if you're sitting it up in the cabin, then they're just sitting on the cushion, aren't they?
0: Yeah, and storage is – I didn't get to design my boat exactly how I wanted it just due to the fact of COVID. It was just the way it was. I couldn't go to South Australia and work in the road. It just is is what it is. It was one of those things. Uh, I'm in the process of, like I said, the new 650, and a lot more will come into detail with that. But in your boat, having the size of the cabin there, we can put some sort of structure in there that the rods sit in, but I still think on the day out, I reckon we would probably take him out and put them up top rather than – Yeah, tre- you do. Bit. Yeah, I think we'll get them out. Yep. I don't think we would – not your snapper rods and whatnot. You'd probably leave them in as such, but if we run running with, say, 450 wides in there and a couple of 80s. That's a lot of weight banging around. So I reckon on a day if we were to head out, you'd probably either – Get it? Not maybe in the bay, you probably wouldn't, but if we're heading offshore and copping a bit of banging, you, I think bringing them out is the most important thing so you don't damage the rods and reels.
1: Yeah, and I think if you, if you are going to sow fish for tuna or, or, or game fish, then make sure you have one of your your rod holders in your rocket launcher reinforced because if, I learned this lesson on my old 650 that it wasn't, and we ended up bending at Redmond because we spent so much time with that that shotgun at the top. Um that it that it bends, particularly if you're using a big a big fifty wide.
0: Yeah, they everything everything needs to be reinforced and stainless. And I know the first lot of stainless I got on my boat. I'll be honest, it didn't hold up to my to my. I had cracks in both sides, and driving back from Eden, it actually cracked and fell, and it cost me. I had to rip my whole bimini. I spent thousands refixing everything. So I got it reinforced. So I got also double racks at the top, Pat. So because
1: if you're going to put sorry, if you're going to put eight rods of Oh, the most weight, game proportion. Then exactly, and then you add in just how hard you fish. You know, designing it for what sort of fishing you do is a yeah. really important part.
0: Yeah, and I reckon that's a good, a good question from Danny. So, if you are getting a boat, make sure you design it for yourself. I know people that go casting and freshwater whatnot. They have actual rod lockers in their boat, in their floor under their casting platforms. So, that's a, if you yep. are into river fishing, maybe get it designed so you've got, I guess. Um, where your casting platform is and where your live bait tank set up and whatnot, you actually got areas where you can put your rods and lay them in there and they don't get rattled around because the graphite will break on, on the boats these days. They're not made out of much. Let's be honest.
1: Beautiful work, Redman. If you've got a question for Aaron or I, send it in to our social club and real adventures, whether it be our app, uh, our real adventures app that you can download from anywhere that you download your apps or our social media channels, plenty more real adventures, After the break. All aboard for Dometic. Make your next adventure effortless with the Dometic Go Collection. Just pack, stack, and go. Welcome back to Real Adventures. It's time for All Aboard for Dometic. Go on your next adventure, Dometic.com. Our special guest this morning is Lockie Nichols from Lockie Nichols Fishing who's had one of the great years, Redmond?
0: He's uh, just getting warmed up in my belief. He's, uh, <laughs> he's, he's had a fantastic season so far on some very, very good swordfish, as well as a bluefin tuna. Good morning, Locke.
1: Good morning, boys. How are we? We're good. We uh, Every time we see an update from you, it's either a monstrous swordfish, it's enormous tuna, it's socials fighting 200-kilo swordfish. Is Tassie becoming close to the ultimate game fishing destination in Australia, given the lack of boat traffic compared to other states. Like, it's quite incredible um, what you've been able to do this year, Lockie.
2: Yeah, um, Tassie's definitely growing, or seems to be, every year. The the more people that go out and target the fish, the, the more more fish that seem to be get, getting caught every year, which is um, unreal. It's, yeah, just untapped potential down here at the moment.
0: Now, Lock, you've been out there chasing these swordfish. Now, I've seen... You've you've been getting multiple hookups each time, but trying to get them to stick can be challenging, as you know. But I've noticed that you've been using different types of Lumo skirts to help, I guess, be more effective when you're dropping down to such deep waters to sort of match the hatch in a way. What is your opinion on those? And take us through what you've been doing.
2: Uh, well, it all started about a year ago um, when a mate of mine purchased a lure company that makes their own lures yeah. and they make their own skirts as well. And they've designed a couple that are designed to look like squid, like how they glow in the dark. There's a Lumo purple and a Lumo blue that look really attractive. And um, I was lucky enough to talk them into sending a couple my way and uh, sent them down and it seems to be yeah, a really consistent success with them. Um, I just think... That little bit of extra natural sort of look about it uh, seems to work a lot better than just the the typical green bland sort of Lumo look. And
1: what's the the name of the company, Rocky?
2: Uh, Meridian Tackle. They're called uh, just a sort of a, a family a family company uh, just running out of Snug in Tasmania.
1: How good, Redmond?
2: Um, now, for those that aren't aware
1: of sword fishing and and how it occurs, is there is a bit more to it than just what people have seen in this in the perfect storm with George Clooney uh, sort of doing his best work. But can you take us through the preparation that you put in uh, for a day sword fishing? Because it clearly doesn't start the morning of when you're launching the boat. There's a huge amount of preparation that goes into a successful sword fishing expedition.
2: Yeah, for sure. Um, well, probably weeks in advance, we're out there fishing for, for baits, fishing for arrow squid and uh, tr- like small tuna, uh, salami mackerel. Um, and then uh, while they're still fresh, we rig them so that they're ready to go um, so that when, when you hit the water, you, your rigs are ready. All you need to do is attach your baits to your hooks and send them straight down.
1: So you'll rig them the night before or are we talking sorry, weeks in advance? So so will you rig them the night before or are, we, or are we talking once you catch them weeks in advance, you'll literally rig them up whilst they're still fresh and then you'll freeze them and then obviously thaw them out for the next time that you go fishing?
2: Yeah, exactly, yep. So um, while they're still fresh, we're stitching them up and then getting them ready to bribe a rig um, that morning when we're heading out to fish. So
1: just when you, you're preparing the bait to go down like lock, obviously you're fishing hundreds and hundreds of metres of depth. Um, are you using bricks, rocks? How are you actually getting the, the bait um, to the bottom where the, the swordfish are
2: feeding? Yeah, so I just use a, just a house brick, um, which I attached a little bit of uh, eight-pound line to send down to the bottom uh once you get to the bottom all, all it really takes is a couple of wines on your reel and that should just pop off uh with the water pressure
0: now Lockie, you've mentioned uh off air actually that this year has been quite different to other sword uh sword fishing seasons you're actually catching multiple big barrel bluefin tuna as bycatch when you are targeting uh the swordfish they're taking your baits which you haven't actually seen before what's your opinion on that
2: I just think there's a lot more big fish that are moving through at the moment. Um a lot yeah, a lot of those tuna are pushing wide. Um just to, due to the currents that we're getting at the moment. We're getting some unreal currents sort of pushing through, which is obviously holding those big fish. Uh it's gotten to the point there where a couple of times we've had to run um like tuna, like little tuna to try and avoid catching the big tuna just to get through them to catch the swords. It's unreal. <laughs>
1: Yeah right. And what's your advice for those that are keen to get into sword fishing, Lockie, that haven't done it before? They've got a bit of experience on the water. Um, what's your sort of your best tips in regards to giving it a crack?
2: Well, I think the most important thing is just go on YouTube and just watch watch how other people do it. It's just, um, really important to try and yeah learn learn as much as you can from other fishermen uh, before you head out there because it, it is a very steep learning curve trying to chase these swords. It's just a, a whole other ball game, really.
1: And would you suggest fishing for them in a tinny like you did about a week ago? <laughs> <laughs>
2: yeah, that was a perfect perfect opportunity, really. It was a, <laughs> a full glass out, so we uh, couldn't say no.
1: And, and talk life. us through that because most people, when they think sword fishing, it's got to be in an enormous boat, but you've done it literally in an open tinny and I think it hit 92 kilos. Terrific photo on... Uh, your locking Nichols Fishing Facebook page. Take us through that because that was pretty special.
2: Yeah, well, um, we'd sort of talked about it for a while and um, the weather just lined up perfectly for us and uh, the fish were obviously on the bite. So we bit the bullet and uh, sent sent the boat out wide and that was actually uh, on our first drop too. So we'd only been there for probably about half an hour, hooked up, uh, caught that fish and then we're back in time to go to the pub for lunch,
0: which was awesome. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> how do you um how how far are you actually travelling for these swordfish offshore out of where you're uh launching from?
2: Well, my go to spot is basically straight east of Pirates Bay, so only about twelve miles out offshore.
0: Twelve miles. That's not far at all Patrick when you're considering <laughs> you do. I, I know someone that fished out of uh, Port Welshpool out of Victoria here during the week and travelled 204 kilometres to get to where they were fishing so basically they were fishing right next to Lockie off the east coast of Tasmania anyway so there's, uh, there's a lot of kilometres out there to be done if you do want to chase swordfish but Tasmania where Lockie runs his charter you don't have to travel out as far how do we get in contact with you Lockie if we do want to go out and chase these swordfish with you?
2: Uh, the best thing to do is uh, contact personalised sea charters uh, which is uh, 62503370, or you could uh, look them up online at au. Perfect. There
1: you have it. Beautiful work, Redmond. And uh, Locke, thanks again for your time. Uh, If you want any more information, once again, Locke's just gone through it now, but head to uh, Locke's Facebook page. It's quite extraordinary to see some of the best-looking fish in the sea. Uh, Thanks for your time this morning, Locke.
2: Thanks a lot, boys. Catch
1: you later. Locky Nichols fishing. He's out on the boat as we speak. We like to bring it uh, as live as we possibly can, Redmond. Uh, that was All Aboard for Dometic. Go on your next adventure, Dometic.com. Reds review for Club Marine, Australia's leading provider of boat insurance. It's time for Reds review for Club Marine. What do you have for us this morning, Redmond?
0: Patrick, you put me under the limelight. Then you looked at me as if I was meant to bring it in, changing things up. I've got the adjustable tow ball hitch, which is around $120. Now, yes,
1: I, think like this,
0: I like think this. this is important with your boat. I do a lot of, now your boat is legal for me to tow when I haven't got much in it. It is. It, uh, it comes yep. under that three and a half, but I towed your boat down to Port Mac a few months ago, I'll say a couple months ago and uh, with a land cruiser. Now, this is something that I think – so the one I'm reviewing is up to three and a half ton. The reason I, I reviewed this one is because a, a majority of cars are three and a half ton, but you can get all different sizes up to four and a half to eight ton, whatever you want to get. But each boat sits at a different height on a trailer. So yes. now your, yep.
2: your,
0: your boat and trailer sits so much different to what my boat and trailer would sit on my car. So when I was towing – when I tow, for instance, with the Land cruise that we use with my with my boat, I need it to be lower. I needed to get it down lower to be able to get it on nice and easy for the jockey wheel and just the way that it travels where with your, with your trailer, when I've put it on the same hitch at the same, the same adjustable the same height that it was at. It was actually sitting too low and I didn't like how close it was to the ground. I know low with better, but I wouldn't have been able to get over like, well, if I wanted to go up a slight gutter, for instance, to get into a caravan park or whatever it was, I wouldn't have been I would not have been able to do it. So this adjustable tow hitch, I think it comes with three or four different sizes depending on which brand you get. But like I said, they're between 100 and 150 bucks and you can literally change it on the spot by pulling one pin out and you can adjust the exact height to the need for whatever you're towing. Even if you do caravan towing or even if you have a trailer that needs to go into the tip with to get rid of some rubbish, I think this is a must-have for any standard ute or tow vehicle out there, and it's going to save you so much time and effort on wear and tear on your tyres and everything because everything will be towing so much better, Pat.
1: How do you find it, Reben? Where did you find uh, this?
0: I literally went smack bang to Google and typed in adjustable toe ball hitch. And I reckon it come up with about 20 different options. So there was so many different options out there. The exact one I found was on outbackequipment.com.au. It was $122. And there was plenty of other options, like I said before, of exactly what uh, what's going to suit your car and whatnot. But from what I'm reading here, it suits all if you have the right uh, the right actual toe ball setup driving from underneath your car.
1: Beautiful work, Redmond. That is Red Review for Club Marine.
0: That was Red's
1: Review for Club Marine. Ensure your boat or jet ski with Club Marine, Australia's leading provider of boat insurance. Check the PDS to see if this insurance is right for you. You're listening to Real Adventures with Patrick Dangerfield and Aaron Hadgood. Welcome back to Real Adventures. We've got a nice gaff coming up here, Redman. But before we get to that Red's tip for the weekend,
0: um, I'm assuming it's, it's got- at least put a jacket on. <laughs> Two jackets. It's uh, picking your target, not getting distracted. Now, we've spoken about this off the show many a times over the years, Pat, but I've noticed during the week a lot of people are heading down to Port Mac to chase barrel bluefin tuna, and a lot of them are getting distracted with the school fish, which is all good. But if you – I've got a one guy that in particular that I'm speaking to. He's gone down and targeted him and lost a few, blah, blah, blah. But I noticed that on his social media platforms that he was using, he's never caught a barrel before, and all he wants to catch is a barrel. But I've seen him casting stick bait, plastics – sorry, plastics and stick baits at school tuna. Now, this fellow, all he wants is a barrel. And I said to him, why did you – Why if you want a barrel, why are you stopping the boat and casting plastics and whatnot at – at Tuna, school tuning. He goes, oh, I don't know, a bit of fun. I said, oh, that's all. I understand that's fun and whatnot. But if you want to specifically target something, make sure you commit to it. Because once you chop and change, you've got to reset all your gear, put all your lures out, and start again. It's like Particularly when with something lighten-
1: like barrel fishing where it, it takes time.
0: It takes time and effort to put in, and if you want that fish, if that's what you're aiming to target, you will catch more of them if you target them. If you get them as a bycatch and they take the big lures or they take your live bait, that is what it is. That's different. But if you actually stop the boat and specifically change your whole method for the day, it's going to take you another trip to get that fish because that hour or two hours you've spent casting could have been the bite time that you actually got your fish. And it sounds stupid, but there's not much day in the days at the moment. So it, yeah. does, it doesn't no, get but- like till eight o'clock and it's dark at bloody five o'clock. So you actually lose two hours. All of a sudden you may as well launch at 10, 10 30, have a sleeping. Yeah. So you're losing bite times, especially, especially early in the morning, late afternoon when it's, the best time to get a fish it's same as whiting i don't go whiting fishing and see a school of salmon and go oh crap let's go have fun on salmon and then come back to the whiting and then all of a sudden they're gone pick your target for the day have your plan of attack with your tides all right I don't, we're targeting whiting today while the tide's running when the tide stops with whiting will stop feeding we're going to go for the squid over that slack water we're going to have a nice drift when the tide kicks back in we're going to anchor up and get some beautiful gummy sharks so have your plan stick to it and you're going to catch more fish and sorry pat that took a little bit longer but it was a little gaff in there too
1: Beautiful work, Redmond. Now, the gaff this week, you sent this through during the week, but uh, uh, Sean Mulcahy uh, put up a post on Facebook during the week and uh, it reads as this, 11 years I've worked uh, at the launching way boat ramps and I thought I'd seen it all until today. He's got an, an accompanying photo of a homemade, and video of a homemade pontoon with no red, no safety gear. And by the looks of it, Redmond, as soon as it's launched, the bracket, the homemade bracket that the motor sits on has collapsed and the boat started or the pontoon started uh, sinking. So perhaps leave the construction and vessel construction to the experts next time, boys, <laughs> because uh, you get our really Adventures gaff of the week and uh, one of the funnier things that we've seen on socials this week, Redmond.
0: It is. I think it's funny that <laughs> the engine fell in the water. <laughs> Oh, we do how hard to get engines these days. They've <laughs> just well exactly on.
1: right. That's that's a twenty-five horsepower engine. They're about twenty-five grand now. So uh, <laughs> the, the boys are going to have to delve into the pockets. Hey, uh, thanks for your company this morning on Real Adventures. We hope you enjoyed the show. We'll see you next week.